I'm Amber McRae, a nutritional therapist. I help women become more in tune with their mind, body, and soul through holistic nutrition and emotionally focused therapy. I help them create a more meaningful, energetic, and connecting life. I am super excited today for this podcast. This episode, we have this amazing woman, Michelle, who is a wife and a mother of four. She's a writer and a CPTSD survivor cycle breaker, and soon-to-be empty nester who works professionally as a licensed physical therapist assistant. Michelle's passion in life is people, understanding them and providing them with a safe place and the opportunity to learn how to love, understand, and ultimately heal themselves. Michelle has said that she's always tried to live by the saying, leave things better than the way that you found them. And she believes if we truly want to create a world where hurt people don't hurt people, then we have to come back to source, which is ourselves. If we can't understand and love ourselves, then how can we understand and love others? I am honored to have this amazing woman on our podcast today. I met her through TikTok, and I have to say I was just compelled when I saw her story and what she was sharing. Um, one of her TikToks just caught my eye and sent straight to my heart. It resonated so much what I had been going through as a parent with my daughter and the words that was, she was saying, I just don't see a lot of parents saying that. And so I'm super excited and just honored to have her here sharing her experience, her knowledge, and what she has gained through all her hard work. And so today, I just want to introduce you to Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this opportunity. Yes. So tell us a little bit about um, you know, who you are and what your goal is on TikTok or social media. Absolutely. So I am a midlife woman. I'm 41 years old. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I grew up in a strict religious home where I was taught that my existence was to praise God and to submit to a man's authority. But mm. I'm also a millennial. So I'm part of that generation. Everyone loves to gaslight and name call. But honestly, I think that for millennials, we were some of the first ones to bring attention to the hypocrisies and unnecessary mm. unfairness in life and then we got all the backlash for it because we either weren't yeah. supposed to notice it or we were supposed to stay quiet about it you know generation x is that kids are to be seen and not heard group right. and then millennials came along and said excuse me that's not gonna work we want <laughs> right? to be yeah. seen and heard <laughs> yes yes and so honestly that's the reason i use social media i want to tell my story even the ugly parts of it i want to talk about the parts that i got wrong as well as the parts that i got right because it just took so long for me to educate myself we have the internet and all these tools at our disposal and i want to use them i want to share so that others who are in the same boat that i was in don't feel so alone and i want to share because when I found the answers I was looking for, I remember thinking, I, I just wish somebody would have told me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, some of the things that stood out in that for me is, you know, when you said that um, millennials were like, excuse me, that's not going to work for us. We want and need to be seen and heard. And that is so true. We absolutely um, do. Like, we're not yeah. the ones who are going to sit down and be quiet. And, <laughs> right. you know, we get made fun of it. We get made fun of it all the time, for it all the time. But 
and outcasted, you mm-hmm. know, most of that generation, most of us are called the black sheep of the family per se. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, something else that just resonated so much that stood out to me is when you said, I want to tell my story, even the ugly parts of it, the parts that I got wrong and the parts that I got right. And I just, it, it brings me almost to tears because I just love your authenticity. And it's, it's so hard to be able to get to a place to say, you know what, I got some things wrong. And that's huge. It's humbling. It's so humbling. And I just, I commend you for being able to not just speak it to your kids, but to speak it to everyone, to the world on TikTok. Um, it's one thing that it truly drew me to you. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, my husband, he'll, he asks me all the time, like, why do you tell people those things? Like, why, like, you know, they don't have to know those things about you. But I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think that there are too many times where we're told, oh, you can't say that. Oh, you're not supposed to feel that way. Oh, this, oh, that. But then honestly, I just think it makes you question yourself and it makes you think like okay we're not supposed to do this then what are we supposed to do and it just really um honestly too for me i think that uh if i show you all my flaws then you're not going to have anything you can hold over me and for me as a person that's really important for me as a person i have a lot of religious trauma in my background and so being able to put that out there um, is kind of what alleviates that shame that I carried with me for way too many years. I so, uh, so agree. And again, I think that's really one of the things that drew me to you is I, I have that same feeling and we have very similar backgrounds and thought processes. And for me, that's the same is that for so long, I held all of that over my head and it it kept me prisoner. And once I was able to not have the things that I maybe didn't want to do right, or that I didn't do right, or I felt that were bad or shamed upon or frowned upon, if I could be okay with those, and then if I could take away people's power of of making me feel some type of way about it, right? Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. Then, then the the bond that that chain was completely broken. Yes. And not only that is that if I'm feeling this way, I learned the more that I shared, so many other people felt this way. Absolutely. And the relief, and then the anger and sadness that we're holding all of this stuff in uh, because we don't want other people to see it while everyone is feeling the exact same way. Yes, absolutely. And if we were to share it, we could actually work together to help each other heal, work through it instead of all being so alone and enclosed and afraid and scared. And, you know, abandonment is the biggest fear that we all have is being abandoned. And if we could remove that wall that we put up where other people can't see us, it allows for other people to actually be there for us instead of 
instead of casting ourselves out and abandoning ourselves in those moments. We do. I think that that what that wall does, what we don't realize it does is that it does cause us to abandon ourselves, you know, because we're trying to put up this facade that we're perfect. And then underneath, we know that that's not true. Um, and we just make ourselves miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, this is me. That's just it. Like, I'm like, you know, I am what I am. This is me. Take it or leave it. And that's it. And that's also how I, you know, try to fight my tendency to people, please, because I'm mm-hmm. really bad about that as well. And so being able to be authentic, I think, with myself um, is how, so being authentic with other people is how I'm able to be authentic with myself. Is the yeah, way that I makes look at it. sense that accountability almost self accountability mm-hmm. that's yes. huge yeah i love that point that you made um and you know you said i wish someone would have told me this stuff and you know when i was going through um emotionally focused therapy i told i told my counselor i was like i got to a point where i was angry i was angry at the church i was angry at the school i was angry at all of the other counselors i was angry at my parents because this information that she just so freely taught me and and I learned that is natural and innate that we need attachment that you know about emotional regulation and about validation and and um active listening and all of these things all of these basic tools of connection and how to be our like learn about ourselves and our emotions I was never taught those things. And to me, learning them, I was like, this is basic information that we should be getting starting at birth and preschool and up. And so I was furious. I'm like, why is this like a hidden gem that we have to search for? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. It's kind of like you wonder... What what's the agenda here? What is the agenda for mm, keeping this from exactly. people? Like, you know, I agree. I completely agree. When I was in school to become a physical therapist assistant, I had to take a lot of science classes. And uh, one of the classes I took was called Lifespan Growth and Development. It covered conception all the way to birth. And when I was in that course, I told my husband, I said, you know, people always say that there's not a manual for parenting. This is a manual if I've ever seen one because mm. just understanding, you know, the science of it, I guess, for me was huge. Yeah, and it just gave me those fundamentals that I wasn't taught. And, you know, I wasn't taught because my parents were taught. And, you know, the thing with mental health care is that for so long it's been inaccessible for so yeah. many people. And um, I didn't have the funds to go to see a therapist. You know, everything that I um, did for myself, I had to learn on my own. I I read every book I could. I followed all the leading professionals and read peer-reviewed ar- peer-reviewed articles and everything I could. That was the access I had. And, you know, for me, I had the time to do that because that takes time. It takes a lot of mm-hmm. time to go into it that deep to try and figure things out. And not everybody has the time. Not everybody has those resources. And um, so I guess another reason I like to put everything out there that I found is because it did take so long and it did seem so hidden and um, it's doesn't need to be. Yeah, I agree. And that was another reason that I just commend you because after our first conversation, you know, I went through over 10 years and I'm still in emotionally focused therapy. I, you know, 
I'm still learning. But it took a lot of money and resources and time. And you learned all of that on your own. And I just found that to be so amazing. And again, just you can tell the love and passion that you have for yourself and your family, you know, really for your kids and that drive to just learn no matter what it took. And so again, I just give you major kudos for that because I definitely know how much hard work that is and time and energy. You know, something else that um, you mentioned just now was that they say that there's no parent manual, right? But what you said just was huge. It's, there really is. There may not be a play-by-play book. Right, right. But there is a manual on how to love and be there for our kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a book you should write. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. <laughs> Everyone tells but me, I, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I'm writing one, but it's not that one. <laughs> just put that on your list. Right. But I think that you're so right is that, you know, and this can lean down a rabbit hole, but we're told so much that you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what your kids need. You, you don't have the capacity, you know, even for me personally with school and things like that, we're, we're reinforced that we do not know how to care for our kids when innately we do we do. innately we do, but we've been stripped of that confidence. Yes. And listening to that still small voice and the tools and resources that I think have been purposely somewhat hidden from us. Right. And then they say, too, you know, you don't have the capacity and all this and that stuff. But when we find out that we do, we realize that we have the capacity for so much more than what we even imagined for ourselves. You know, right. Just it it was just completely life changing, not just for me. But I know for my kids, and I think, you know, one of the reasons I was so passionate about it is because I knew that, you know, my kids, like, that's, that's my legacy, but it's not just about me. It's about raising the whole vibration in the world, you know, Mm. like, we're putting Mm -hmm. the, the, we're putting this energy out there. We're giving birth to this energy, and we can either, um, make that a high vibration energy or a low vibration energy. And depending on what you, I think for me, at least what I recognize is what I was putting into being a parent, it sort of changed that frequency for them, you know, and I wanted it to be high frequency. And so I, I was just going to do whatever was within my power to do. um, Because that's what I wanted to do. Because I, I mean, that's just, that's, that's our future of the world, you know? And so for me, it's just, it's a big deal. So that's a great segue into my next question is, you know, what led you to this path? You know, you talked about your kids, but what was, you know, what really led you there and that turning point for you? So I became a mother when I was 17. And then four months later, I left home. By the age of 24, I had given birth to my fourth child and I was beginning my second marriage. Being such a young mom and having been in an abusive first marriage for nearly six years and having grown up in a sheltered and a religiously abusive home, 
it really set the perfect stage for those generational cycles that we're all working so hard to break now to repeat. And when my oldest daughter was around eight years old, I started to notice that my poor temperament and my own lack of emotional regulation was negatively impacting my kids. Like they would flinch when I would raise my hand, they would cower when I would scream at the dog, and they would just be heartbroken. Their eyes would fill with tears when they would see me throwing one of my adult temper tantrums. And um, they didn't feel safe to express themselves, and they for sure weren't receiving much, if any, validation from me. My, my love for them obviously was very great. Like I have always had a very great love for my kids, but the way that I expressed my love in, for them um, or to them was very much conditional. I, so I didn't like what I saw in their reactions, and I didn't like that you know, they would bring home those little cards and stuff that they would make in school that was, you know, all about mom and stuff like that. And they would write these really nice things on there about me. But I knew that that wasn't necessarily true. I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind. I was not setting a good example. And so I asked myself, what is what is one thing I could change about myself that will just make me a better person? Like I wanted to the things that the kids, you know, were, were writing about me at school, I wanted those things to be true. And so I asked myself, you know, what can I do? And, you know, I got what I thought was probably the silliest answer in the world. But the message that I heard loud and clear was learn to love the dog. And so I did. We had this, I love that. We had this family pet. She was a three-year-old collie named Ruby. And she'd been given to us uh, by a friend of mine when she was two years old. And she was just such a sweet and loving dog, a great family dog. But she was messy. And I already had four small children. And when Ruby would drink water, she would drip it all over the place. And she was a shudder. And so I would find her hair just everywhere. And I'm a bit OCD when it comes to cleaning And so her messes would just completely stress me out, and I was not nice to her at all. But that all changed when I decided that I was going to learn how to love this dog. And so I spent intentional time with her every day. I got to know her personality. I even got this book that was titled Teach Your Dog 100 English Words. And I just fell head over heels in love with this dog. And I'm so glad that I did that because three months later, she unexpectedly unexpectedly passed away um, from an autoimmune disease. And I was completely devastated at the loss of her. Um, but what Ruby taught me was the true meaning of unconditional love. She taught me how to give unconditional love. And so it was a little unconventional, but my whole transformation really started with learning to love the dog. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing that story with us. I love how you said, my love for your kid is great, but it was expressed conditionally. It absolutely was. And that's huge and how and how your dog Ruby helped you learn what 
what unconditional love was. And I think that that's so huge. And what I find in so many parents is, especially Gen Xers and generations before that, is really the concept of what that is of conditional love. And it's so foreign to them of unconditional love. And it's so hard to break that programming. And and another thing you said is that because you love learning and you were like, what can I do? What's one thing I can change about myself, you know? And then you got quiet and you listened. And that mm-hmm. still small voice was, hey, here's a baby step. Mm-hmm. And I think so much that we're in such a fast paced, wanting to fix everything society that, you know, this comes back to being in tune with ourselves. And, um, you know, you had mentioned, we were talking prior about human design and, and things like that, and just really being in tune. And I think that that's something that I'm really passionate about. I think that we're missing that we're missing how to trust ourselves, how to listen to that still small voice, you know, intuition, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But listening to that and and asking the questions, you right. know, and then and, trusting, trusting the response yes. that you're getting. And that's huge because like you said, it's unconventional, unconventional and it felt kind of silly. And I, I want to say that the guidance that I've gotten has been very similar. It doesn't feel like the answer that we want to hear. And so we kind of brush it off like this doesn't matter. That's silly. That's not going to make a big difference. But if we learn to really trust that and we take those small, maybe silly steps, that it is we are being guided. We are always being guided if we listen. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So that's all the time we have for today. Please join us for the next episode to hear more of Michelle's story. Thank you so much for listening, Amber. I just really appreciate all of this.